Hello and welcome to All Indians Matter. I am Ashraf Engineer. Increasing demand and rapid urbanization has resulted in an exponential rise in water use and wastewater generation. The wastewater generated by the class 1 and 2 cities and towns representing more than 70% of India's urban population has been estimated at 98 liters per capita per day. For metros like Mumbai and Delhi, it's a staggering 220 liters per capita per day. What's more, 70% of the urban wastewater flows untreated into rivers and seas. How can India tackle the challenge of increasing urban wastewater? All Indians matter. We have on the show Praveenjit KP, who has more than 29 years' experience working on more than 350 projects across infrastructure, energy, and the environment. His expertise spans conceptualization to commissioning, including the design of infrastructure for various projects that include green buildings, sanitation, irrigation, drainage, rainwater harvesting, e-waste, renewable energy, and environmental impact assessments. He has worked with global organizations such as the World Bank, UNDP, and UNICEF. He has rich domestic experience working in 19 Indian states, three union territories, and more than 65 cities. Praveenjit has audited sewage treatment plants in Uttarakhand and under the National Mission for Clean Ganga. He has designed and helped implement the Hazardous Waste Treatment Storage and Disposal Facility Project in Karnataka and is a team member for the drafting of the Integrated Wastewater and Septage Management Policy for Kerala. He is also the founder and managing director of Eco Paradigm, an environmental consulting company. Welcome to the show, Praveenjit. Hello. Thank you, Ashraf, for this great opportunity. Uh, it's our pleasure. Praveenjit, let me get right to it. What is the extent of wastewater output in India and what does it mean for the environment? Uh, as you said in your opening remarks, 98 litres, roughly about 100 litres we can assume per person uh, as a wastewater, 100, 108 depends on how much water is uh, supplied to the individual and it varies between uh, various cities. But roughly 100 litres per person is an easy thumb rule and easy to multiply and get uh, information. So in, in India, almost 1,40,000 million litres is produced every day and uh, of which only 18% is treated. And I say treated, it may be not to the real extent as uh, mandated by the law. And uh, in fact, both are pretty staggering numbers. Yeah, the, very, you know, yeah, the output staggering. as well as the low treatment. Yes, yes. So 50% is untreated. That is even worse. 50% untreated, it all finds its way to our rivers. And uh, that's the greatest tragedy that all our groundwater and surface water is polluted. It's estimated that around 70% of surface water in India is unfit for consumption. Every day, 40 million liters of water enter the river and only a very tiny fraction is adequately treated. <clears throat> this is the greatest problem which is faced by India. No, no, and if somebody from Bangalore, everybody knows that all the lakes are polluted. And I don't think it's an exception. Every city in India, I would say, is there's no city where or a uh, water source which you could say you could just drink from it. Just 20, 30 years ago, people used to swim, drink water, everything was fine. But now nothing is nothing is safe unless you treat it. That's why this predominance of RO at each house, even though a municipality supplies water to a city, even then we find that houses rely on reverse osmosis water or water filter and uh, those type of gadgets because you are not sure. How does this affect the various sources of fresh water? I know you've spoken a little bit about it, but could you detail it a little more? Yeah, the, the scenery is 
India has a almost uh, one fifth of the world's population, while we sit on a landmass of only just about two and a half percent. And the interesting part is only four percent of the world's water resources are available to us. So straight away, nature has given a disadvantage of five x. Now, and this water resource itself is polluted due to this untreated wastewater, due to anthropogenic reasons, industrial and farm runoff. All this has caused a major issue. and combined it with the uh, various other factors uh, you know uh, the rainfall which is uneven across the country you have wide variation which is something like 3000 mm plus in some place and something like 10 cm in some other place in rajasthan so this does so you can't really use and your major reliance is on surface water and groundwater and uh, among the surface water and groundwater what you can really technically utilize is just one third of the potential water which is available which means uh, there's something called a water stress line and uh, this india is almost at the brink of that and in couple of years maybe by 2030 we will be real bad situation you know the cape town situation which happened and uh, they were predicting that most of the cities the next cities were all in india bangalore was probably predicted to be the second uh, uh, city in the list so this clearly tells what is a problem we don't have fresh water and our population is going up and up so the same uh, water divided by the population makes it per capita would be less this is a key issue which unless we uh, account for it now and take some imminent action uh, it's going to become a, a problematic situation how does all this manifest as manifest itself on the ground in our cities so uh, just so that we get a sense of what municipalities are grappling with Yeah. See, this is a twin problem because you have a population. Water is a fundamental requirement of any living, uh, living organism, and humans are, uh, are no exception. And what is happening? You you have wastewater which is coming uh, on the other side. So if you look at some years ago, there was this fun, uh, interesting case in Lato where water was supplied by tank uh, train. train tankers no water was supplied and there were i vividly remember a television telecast which said people in hospitals were keeping the fresh water in the lockers and keeping their valuables outside mobiles outside what does it say it says that water will be more valuable than anything else which you consider because without that there's no life and uh, tankers of water coming into the city but once it's used it becomes waste water what do you do about it you just leave it into the river or the so you see you have a problem which itself is a solution countries like singapore have something called new water where you treat and you drink because they they know the importance of water and they are using it but india still not realized it municipalities are under trying to understand but they they not really found a, a real a solution um, because it's it's all about regulation enforcement all these things are required the interesting part is in 1974 india produces water prevention control pollution act which is one of the first instruments in the world a landmark instrument but where importance of utilization of treated sewage was mentioned but till today that has not it is still largely neglected so this massive wastewater generation is a potential which is not tapped and on the other side you have this dwindling uh, fresh water which is which is nothing but groundwater and surface water polluted by sewage so so you have sewage on both sides that's what it is something diluted something strong but nothing in between also parijit all wastewater isn't the same isn't it uh, what are the different kinds of wastewater 
Yeah, true. There, of course, uh, from a wastewater perspective, the, the different color as a terminology has been issued. But from a, a generic layman point of view, you have the black water from toilets, you have the gray water from bathroom and kitchens, and sometimes the specialized laundry, wastewater, industrial effluents, effluents from automobile workshop, liquid, uh, biomedical wastewater from hospitals, leaches. Of course, these are all different, different sources of wastewater. Finally, it all becomes a soup when you take it all into one particular sewer line. Now, we don't have separated collection, separated handling. So what happens is, as far as uh, uh, the wastewater is concerned, there are a lot of parameters we measure, like the biochemical oxygen demand, chemical oxygen demand, T TSS, total suspended solid. All these things are varying for we each, uh, each source. So when you plan a treatment plant, this uh, causes issues. And also... Uh, the flow pattern is different. So if you look at a typical wastewater flow in a sewer line, morning, let's say 5.30 to 6.30, it will be predominantly toilet, black water would be the predominant, right? The variation flow and characteristics is different. Maybe between 7 to 8.30, 9 o'clock, it is a different type of food and hand wash type of water. Probably 10 to 11, 12 would be laundry type of water. Then again, so you see the uh, the wastewater flow and qualities change across the hour. And probably towards the end, towards the night, you might have something about urine and something, something related to black water, not much of the other water. So uh, these things keep fluctuating. And this, I'm sure, makes the, the handling very complicated, isn't it? Sure, sure. Very true because one size does not fit all. So look at a process factory, let's say a, a soft drink beverage factory. The wastewater which comes from it is the same thing. It is just that which is not been bottled comes out as wastewater. Look at any industry, uh, um, the technologies are meant for whatever is the raw material. In wastewater, unfortunately, the, the input material is not constant. It varies by second. So now you have a, you have an end of the pipe a solution which is supposedly supposed to treat the water come what may and deliver it at a quality which the law specifies which from an engineering point of view and science point of view it is something which is which is uh, which is not I mean it cannot be you cannot engineer such so what does a wastewater engineer do you, since you can't understand since you can't predict in real time we build lot of redundancy in the system. So where you would need, so for example, when you have a lot of uh, pollution, you need to put a lot of air in to treat. That means you have blowers. Let's say I have four blowers. At some point, your pollution reduces. I need to put only one blower. Now somebody has to monitor this quality change and then I have to adjust this blower to make it very effective and save power and other costs. Now what do I do? I can, Since I cannot monitor, I just let four blowers blow all the time. So it's a wasteful, but still, it's much better than not treating at all. So you just put some, this is what I meant by redundancy. Right. So let's, let's talk a little bit about what happens after the wastewater is released into the environment. How, first of all, how does wastewater affect public health? Well, uh, uh, the wastewater, when it pollutes the groundwater table, you know, what happens is you... Uh, you 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 are affected by diseases waterborne diseases that's one of the first things then it is not portable that is one more thing so what happens is india has been suffering the worst water crisis in its history and millions of lives and livelihoods are under threat every year 600 million more than 600 million indians face high to extreme water stress and almost 2 lakh people die every year 
due to inadequate access to safe water. And it's getting worse. So what is happening is you are having people suffering. Uh, you look at children, they don't attend classes, they will, and they get anemic, they get uh, sick. And all this affects the country or the nation as a whole. So that is something which is very, very critical. I mean, it's true across the world. But India, because we have one-fifth of the world's population and almost more than half of the people are affected, we account for the majority of the uh, uh, the effect, the negative effect. And what about the economic impact? So according to some study, they say that almost 6% uh, is a loss to the country's GDP. So if I'm a, a worker and I'm affected by this uh, water problem, then what happens is, I don't go for work, as simple as that. And uh, and lack of water is also another thing, lack of good water, potable water. So if people walk or travel a, lo- a lo- longer distances to get safe drinking water. You have water fights. You would have seen those uh, uh, classical photos where you people hanging in a well, you know, that type of photos. And now if you look at on the other side, I know of, we have worked on some project where a, com- a company which had a projected uh, uh, a demand of some, um, an output of some product had to cut it down to one-fifth because the water was not available. And they were, it was such a crisis that they were actually putting uh, bore wells across the city, I mean, across the rural landscape and trying to suck water from two kilometers away because water was an input for cooling. Now, that factory had to curtail its production only because of lack of water. Now, what does it mean? Your production is reduced, which means your exports are reduced, it's an export-oriented company. You can't employ that amount of people. And when you support here, you get into conflict because it directly conflicts with the agriculture. And then you have a priority of supplying drinking water to the common public. Now, you know, that's that's a very interesting story. The classical thing was that problem itself had a solution. The solution was that they, when, the, when they supply water to a city, it finally eventually becomes wastewater. The company does not need drinking water for its purpose. All it needed to do was to take the treated water from the city and use it for its for its operation. But, but there was a vital uh, link which was missing. Who would treat the water? The responsibility is the urban local body, the city, and uh, it was not there. So you see, the, the problem was there staring at them in the face and the solution was also there. It's just that somebody had to just think of the box and then link these two and you have a, you have a situation where the factory can go at full production, the people can get employed, the city will still get their water and no conflict. Now, one more thing which people can vividly re- recall is, you know, that IPL was shifted out of Maharashtra because a court ordered that you can't use water. Yeah, that's a very simple thing. It's a game. and But Maharashtra lost out and I don't know how much of revenue. Bangalore gained it only because it, it could promise that water. Yeah? But imagine what happens. The whole country suffers it. There's no Bangalore, Maharashtra. It just goes out. Factories will move out when you don't have water. If your employees are not getting the required water, this is going to happen. And then automatically it has a counter uh, thing effect on the country's GDP. Now, one more study says that uh, for India especially, there's a 9% reduction in agriculture revenue and 16% drop in downstream agriculture yield because of unchecked and untreated wastewater, which is also strange. Like I told you about the Latur case. Now, you you can treat the water and the water is uh, after treatment is ideal for agriculture, especially domestic sewage treated water. 
I'm not talking about the industrial effluent. And you have a problem, you have a solution. The only solution is to just follow the law and just treat water. Mm. Is there a link between wastewater and climate change too? Yeah, very much. So what they say is among the anthropogenic uh, uh, pollution, that's the waste, uh, uh, emissions from waste, 80% of the emissions are from wastewater, which is very interesting. 80%, so the largest part of the climate change contribution from waste is from the wastewater. And what they say is the methane from uh, from uh, treatment accounts for about one-fifth. And there's also a byproduct, which is an N2O emissions, which is also the sixth largest contributor. These two, methane and N2 are one of the largest contributor because it's it's uh, there's something called this factor called global warming potential, which tells how many times is it uh, worse than carbon dioxide. So methane accounts to 28 times more powerful than CO2. So one ton of uh, methane is equal to 28 tons of CO2 liberated. Similarly, your N2O is almost 265 times more powerful. So it's, it's, uh, its detrimental effect is that great. So these two come primarily from wastewater and 80% of the emission is from wastewater. So this is something which is, uh, which is a link everybody knows, but somehow is not finding its way in the discussion, you know, decisions and budgeting and those type of things. That's right. So Pranjit, what are some of the solutions that urban areas have applied and how successful have they been? So, so recognizing that uh, the wastewater pollution, I mean, I'm looking at from the domestic sector. Domestic sector, uh, so a good thing with the Swachh Bharat and the, uh, and the Nirmal Nagar and all this type of uh, this thing. There's been a lot of focus on uh, uh, building toilets and uh, twin pit toilets and um, and uh, soap pits. These have have helped in coverage. So almost 97, 99% of the countries covered, which was not there some years ago. But what has happened is all these things eventually uh, discharge their uh, portion of the pollution into the ground. So this is okay. It reduced about 20, 30%. But after one or two years, what happens is you still need to take out the, uh, the, the shit, I would put it, the pollution from the tank and treat it somehow. If not, it is like sitting on a time bomb because all these things would then again contaminate the groundwater. So there's a lot of thrust from the government on fecal sludge treatment plant. I'm talking about the cities which do not have a sewer lines. Now, these fecal sludge treatment plants are meant to handle this pollution, but that is one. Where the cities have sewer lines, like I told you, very few cities actually treat it properly. Rest all treat to a primary degree and everything else is discharged into groundwater. I mean, into surface water body, nalas or rivers. So all this goes up and ends in polluting the soil and the groundwater. Uh, this is the thing. So now what has happened, thanks to some um, uh, very aggressive actions from the court, especially the National Green Tribunal, the, uh, the high courts and Supreme Courts, the law has become stringent. Now the urban local bodies and the government's authorities have sort of uh, pushed the problem to this generator end. So they have made it mandatory now. Uh, most of those apartments have to treat, the bulk generators have to treat water. So this, to an extent, has helped in reducing uh, the water pollution. But I have not seen, I have not got access to data to tell what was it 10 years ago before such policies and what is it now. But everybody knows from a principal point of view, it does work. 
so this is something so getting your problem back to your backyard is the best uh, solution mm. are there any solutions in the pipeline that seem encouraging to you that you find deeply interesting that can be applied in the indian context yes uh, this natural sewage treatment solutions are very good because um, like i earlier mentioned on the climate change uh, aspect treatment plants do exist to remove pollution but what happens is <clears throat> if it's not operated properly they themselves can contribute to the methane emissions so this is something so uh like i told you earlier again uh the wastewater quality changes with the time and over the days so if you want a system to work you need to have a mechanism to monitor the quality and adjust your treatment process suitably so there's some factor like ph let's say there's a ph is high then you need to neutralize it if the ph is low you need to again add something else and neutralize it because the bacteria which treat are very very particular about the range in which they can operate anything low they die anything high also they can die now solutions which are like this are not really there so a natural system which mimic the nature are very good so we have natural systems like dtrs which uh, is particularly suited for managing wastewater then to convey the sewer uh, wastewater from the house especially in place of high water table so if you have a soak pit and if you have high water table the soak pit is no longer effective so then the septic tanks and those uh, other uh, systems don't work so then you need to draw the sewer lines through small bore sewer lines there are technologies which you can take it to a better place and then treat and then if you're trying to retrofit sewer lines and uh, in in small narrow roads steep gradients then uh, these low bore technologies are available so and some systems are also there which can treat both sewage and wet waste see although we talk about waste water uh, when you put solid waste into water that adds to the problem so the wet waste and sewage can be handled in a single project but and also can provide energy capture which is very promising because uh, you can handle two problems in one one uh, stone one you can also generate electricity which is another uh, issue which our country faces so you can solve three issues at the same time and from a city point of view almost 50 to 60% of your garbage vehicles which carry your wet waste is out of the road which will also help from a direct climate change aspect so these are technologies which are there we have executed a project in nasik which combines both wastewater and septage in a single project and generates 250 kilowatts of electric power so you can imagine that now you don't need two projects uh, to handle the problem Yeah, that's interesting. But uh, project dealing with wastewater is also an exercise in awareness, isn't it? So, what can local administrations do to raise awareness levels? This is something which the what they can do is, um, you know, we uh, at some point in time, we two three years running, we had this program called neighborhood improvement plan uh, programs, where every um, apartment complex were competing on different scale small big high and they were showcasing their uh, their practices which helped them to solve this uh, solve this uh, wastewater issue wastewater among them many other uh, problems faced by the society but wastewater is something now here when these things get showcased best cases are showcased and presented what happens is somebody who has a problem at hand can actually compare and say okay this is the technology i should choose or this is the type of expenses you can expect when you use a such a such a technology this is the type of treatment quality and the performance which i can expect out of this so these things will help promote a race towards 
uh, efficiencies and uh, performance one and the government should try to have this more on a like we have this context now the swatch survection which is between cities the you, the urban local bodies can then do it between wards and between apartment complex between so which is when the awareness would arise right now that is not much you know as long as you have put an stp and you got an occupancy certificate well you seem to have complied with the law but is your plant working every day because that is what is contributing to the pollution in the lakes and the water bodies they can have, they can have um, you know the square, they can teach this in the school and uh, have competitions well i think there are many methods where which you can raise this awareness that's right what about national policies around wastewater you think they've been effective or do they need a certain kind of change now no i think the policies policies are good it, i think it's lacking in the implementation or the enforcement part of it for example here in bangalore uh, i can say I mean, it is there throughout the country actually um, 20 houses and above it is mandatory to have your own stp dual plumbing is also compulsory now what it means is you have to treat it when you treat it with whatever expenses you do you get water and that water's almost technically all the water is usable for non potable purpose your car washing your flushing gardening everything so what it means is where you used to you originally use 100 liters per person let's say you can technically work with 30 liters so for a country like us which has uh, increasing population with the fixed type or fixed or lower than normal type of water supply making 100 equal to 30 is something like freeing up three times the water so this is something which is uh, quite uh, useful these policies are are there and uh, so and the law is also made it stringent that now you are you are treated to a certain degree so at to that degree when you do it's too valuable a water to lose so this will push but enforcement is not that strong for some reason that is not okay so you, you know some years ago the government pro- promoted solar they gave uh, if you have a solar water heater they give you 25 rupees rebate on your electricity bill why shouldn't the government think of something like that where you are paid some incentive see it's not really payout because of, as a society you are losing much more when you pollute your groundwater because once it is inside polluted it is very very difficult to treat it now what is happening if you see the water bill Uh, there is a fixed charge there is a sewage treatment uh, cost let's say 25% of the water bill it cannot be 25% of the water bill water uh, it should be as per reality whatever is actual and if you have a borewell and let's say you are not using the municipal water supply you are charged something like 100 rupees flat it has no link to actual water usage so how does this incentivize anybody to reduce wastewater pollution there's no reason you are charging for water no water should have been probably priced differently but your sewage which is the pollution part of it should be charged you should penalize for polluting more so that should be uh, done so that's what well, that that is not really uh, is not there mm-hmm. ranjit you worked around the country so tell us uh, some of the most worrying and most heartening stories you've come across when it comes to wastewater management it is uh, it is interesting because some years ago i was in chandigarh and we are also working in goa the water supply is around 343 liters 340 type of liters per person and you also saw told in bombay it is around 225 or so in bangalore i think we get although we target 100 135 we also get 70 70 liters rajasthan it's around 40 to 70 and you know what 
above across the cities everybody finds a water shortage and i heard a chief engineer saying that when 343 reduced to 275 they get calls saying that water is not coming in india in bangalore if you get if you get 100 and become 70 you call the rajasthan probably 70 becomes 40 you call but it's a situation where uh, people are not uh, really understanding the situation of water and water is directly proportional to the wastewater so unless you control the water usage you cannot control the wastewater management also and so this is something but i've seen a lot of people see when we started the company um, it was a time when it was not that i mean i'm talking about 15 years ago it was not so strong but there are a lot of uh, private uh, enterprises individuals who came forward to set up stps in their uh, premises instead of doing like what the general people do just let it into the drain they actually invested on sewage treatment plant and because they said look we don't want to consciously pollute so now that was a situation about 15 years ago today more and more people are coming forward i have seen people who say look i don't want to connect to municipality not because i can't afford i don't want to i don't want my footprint to cause stress to my city so the people who would like to be off grid uh, have their find their own water through rainwater and conservation and then uh, also do conservation by using um, uh, waterless uh, toilets and uh, fixtures in taps to reduce the water usage and then also treat the water and then reuse so these are some good breed of people who are actually doing the change so that is uh, that's a, a strong uh, a positive uh, this thing. right so bhavanjit here's a question i ask all my guests at the end why do you do this work <laughs> so you know uh, i've been in infrastructure i was uh, earlier on i was doing water supply and uh, uh, irrigation projects well finding a source when you don't have water finding a source and uh, and uh, finding an alternate source from far away and bringing it to your your consumers is one way of helping them survive but that is not going to uh, that's it's not a sustainable one we have one planet and unless we do some cleaning the foreseeable future is very very grim and in the last 3 years uh, three decades of working i know there are solutions which are available and some tweak can do the required uh, uh, produce a required result so uh, mahatma gandhi ji said be the change that you wish to see so i decided to start this enterprise at a time when our society was not really ready to pay for solving this issue then the last 15 years many of our projects all working in this field of environment duty although we could have done better project more remunerative project in our uh, in our field uh, we are civil engineers and environment we could have done much better uh, earnings but over the last 15 years many of our projects have secured national and international recognition uh, not to forget we got the special mention from the honorable president of india in 2009 under the national water award and we got the first prize for a lake remediation in the national water awards in 2018 and there are a lot of other projects and uh, innovation which our company has done which have uh, uh, secured national re- international recognition so that actually spurs us you know because um, it's not always the money but the most sometimes most of the energy comes from seeing our work do its uh, contribute itself to the society and somehow i have been able to inspire a few people uh young engineers who are also seeing this as a passion so there are a lot of people like that 
and uh, that's that, that's uh, that's a good thing which i think many more people do it is good for everybody Pravinjit, thanks so much for detailing what should be a national priority. India is facing a water crisis of sorts and how we manage wastewater will be crucial to our success in handling the future. Thank you. Thank you, Ashraf. It was, uh, it's my privilege that, uh, that you gave me an opportunity here. Yeah. If, for people who want to know more about what we do at Eco Paradigm, you're welcome to uh, visit www.ecoparadigm.com and uh, see for yourself what we can do as a company, small company, but it can also be replicated by a lot of you. And uh, I think in days to come, we should not be having this type of discussion. We should be in a better, more uh, positive about it. Thank you all for listening. Please visit allindiansmatter.in, that's A-L-L-I-N-D-I-A-N-S-M-A-T-T-E-R.in for more columns and audio podcasts. You can follow me on Twitter at Ashraf Engineer, that's A-S-H-R-A-F-E-N-G-I-N-W-E-R and All Indians Count, that's A-L-L-I-N-D-I-A-N-S-C-O-U-N-T. Search for the All Indians Matter page on Facebook. On Instagram, the handle is All Indians Matter. Email me at editor at allindiansmatter.in. Catch you again soon. <laughs>